your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. On the phone with me, calling from either Vegas or Milwaukee. I'm not really sure if you just stayed in Vegas, but Adam Murphy is calling. He is the owner of Big Bang LLC. He is uh, a, a World Series of Poker now uh, loser. <laughs> he's a Senate. Wow. He's a U.S. Senate loser. <laughs> he's going to hang up. No. Uh, you know, I brought you on, you know, I've always brought you on and kind of made fun of the fact that you were one of like 12 people to run as a Democrat in the U.S., uh, in the Wisconsin race for U.S. Senate. But now you've, do you know what place you came in? You were just out in Vegas for the World Series of Poker. It's a two-week extravaganza. I believe this was the biggest World Series of Poker in the history of the World Series of Poker. I haven't seen it on ESPN because I just don't watch ESPN anymore, Adam. But uh, what place did you come in? Can you put a number on it? Uh, I think it was 1788 I just missed the money. Money was going to be at about 1510 or something like that. So I played for just under three days and missed the money by about three hours, unfortunately. Oh, wow. And, and that sounds awful when you're 1800th place. But how many people played? So this year it was just over 10,000. Uh, it was like 10,300 or something like that. Okay, so uh, so now you're getting better. Now you're, you know, <laughs> like you're in that. Yeah, I was top, I was top 18%. Okay. Right, exactly. That's not bad for, for, for what no. it's worth. What, what kind of stories do you have from the, and Brad, if you got, you know. I, I do have a question right now. Okay. How much sure. do you have to pay to get into this tournament? How much do okay, you put up so, of your own money? Um. So the the main event, and that's what we're talking about yeah. here. And by the way, it's not an ESPN anymore. It got moved. But um, so the main event is ten thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but for instance, I ha- so I was out in Vegas for five weeks. Uh, my wife was out there for most of it too. She plays as well. And uh, the first week that I was out there, and, and the World Series of Poker is a couple, oh, goodness me, it's over 100 tournaments now. Uh, buy-ins are anywhere from, I think the cheapest is three or $400, uh, and the, the highest is $250,000 for the ridiculously high-end pros. But the, the main event, the one that you think about, is ten grand. Well, uh, I, I could and, afford the 300 one, but I wouldn't last very long, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and they're great fun. And, and like some of those 300 and 400 ones, uh, because... Those didn't used to exist. The the World Series used to be fifteen hundred dollars minimum, and, and they've made smaller ones so that more people can play. So there were some events this year that had over twenty twenty five thousand uh, people playing in them. Uh, it was it was crazy, and you know the, those all also lasted for four, five, six days. Yeah, that that um, table is huge. It's so like the big round. Everyone's around it. Like nineteen decks of cards, twenty five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're, they're all playing one game of poker, man. It takes forever to get around this table of 25,000 people. <laughs> yep. No, it's, it's, it's super fun. Um, you know, it's across a couple of different casinos. Uh, and then all the, or not all, but several of the other casinos also have tournaments going on. So I played at the Wynn. I played at the Venetian. Uh, the first week that I was out there, um, I, I was up about $40,000, so that's what paid for me to, to play in the main event. Um, so it was, uh, it was it, it, it's great fun. It's people from all over the world, right? I'm, uh, I was talking with you know, a guy from France. We had, we had people from um, 
uh, all over Europe, uh, several from Australia. Uh, so it's it's really kind of this just crazy eclectic group of people that come across or uh, come together from all across the world. Um, you know, from 21 years old to I think the oldest player. Uh, oh goodness me! I think he was in his 90s, um, and so they applauded him when when he got knocked out and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a super cool event. It's so much fun to play in. That is something uh, I've tried. Not anything like that size, but I the last time I played poker at a casino, you know, like uh, up in Treasure Island or, or Ho Chunk or whatever, and that's sure. been a long time ago. And it's like, oh, maybe I'll try it again because I I think I've watched it enough on TV. I know how to just basically play it. Did you did you now when I Adam when I, and we're speaking with Adam Murphy here my political blowhard but we're talking poker he's my poker blowhard now too um, when when uh, when I was a kid and watched this stuff on ESPN and you said it's not, it's not on there but I just remember all you know the cool guys with their sunglasses or they were just weird you know they they'd wear weird things so that they kind of kind of like bluff people right um, did you yep. end up at the at any of the tables where you know this thing is over now somebody you know there's probably a final table or a final couple of tables. Did you end up with any of those people that were on the final in the finals, like final couple of people? Did I don't they- think I did, um, but I, I have. I'd have to go back and, and look. I mean, you do see odd, weird things, right? The the guy with the uh, Jack in the Box hat you know, or, or, or globe over his head. Um, one of the one of the more unusual experiences, and this one I know got written up, and I think it was probably going to be on TV for a while. And this was in, in day three. Uh, so there was a young kid playing. He was just a couple tables away from me, uh, and and I want to say he's in his twenties. Um, and he um, he wound up fainting, had a, a medical emergency during the during the main event. And so we stopped the clocks and, and paused the whole game. Uh, security was over and, and medical. And as his story came out, um, and he's got this crazy silver top hat that he's wearing and glasses. Right? So you definitely you know, recognize him and see him. And he's actually been diagnosed with, with um, and, and I apologize that I don't know what exactly, but a, a terminal illness. And so his goal was to play in the main event. And, uh, and he literally almost died during the main event. Like I said, he was a couple tables away and, and passed out, um, you know, seven hours into the day. And, uh, you know, they, they went over, they, um, worked on him, fluids, all sorts of stuff. And to the kid's credit, he actually sat back up, got back in his chair and continued to play. It was absolutely incredible. I, I don't know where he finished, but I would guess he might have made the money based on when I went out because I think he was still in when I got knocked out. Oh, sure. How did um, you get knocked out? Is that a story or not? Did you go all in and? Uh, yeah, I went all in and I ran into aces. Never a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, my, my first day was great. I had a terrific first day. I was in the top, uh, top 10%, top 7%, uh, and then just didn't have much in the way of luck or, and some bad luck. And, and, you know, I made some mistakes. Uh, one of the really hard things about the main event in particular is you're playing poker for 10 hours a day plus break. So it's about 12 and a half hours long every day, day after day after day. Mm-hmm. And it is a mental grind. It is a physical grind. Uh, it can certainly be an emotional grind, right, when you, yeah. when you lose or you screw up. Um, and that's something that you just don't get anywhere else. Uh, you know, we're talking about the smaller casinos and smaller tournaments. Um, you don't get that kind of experience. The main event is 
absolutely grueling. Uh, you know, people call it a sporting event, and people uh, and other people disagree because it's not a you know a sport the way that we would think of it. But it is physically and mentally absolutely absolutely grueling. Um, and so, yeah, you, you run into times when, when you're not paying enough attention, you're not focused. I've seen people sleep, fall asleep at the table. Um, <laughs> the, <yeah>. only, <laughs> the only place that mimics it is when you're doing your job, whatever it is your job is, and your boss walks in and just decides he's going to watch you for the whole day. <laughs> yep. Just over your shoulder <laughs> you the whole time. Whole Talk about emotional, mental stress. The whole time he's just going to pick, you know, he's going to pick apart everything you do. Um, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you got questions, we're going to talk politics here a little bit with Adam Murphy. We got a break. Uh, Brad's going to hang out and do the news here in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Adam Murphy is on with us. This hour, if you got questions, we're going to talk politics here a little bit. If you got political questions, Adam Murphy ran for Senate, uh, the, the, the election that Ron Johnson won. So, Adam, could we just go there a little bit with Ron Johnson? Do you know some of the news that's coming out about Ron Johnson? Well, I just saw the, the headlines that despite promising that he wasn't going to uh, uh, accept money to help pay off his loans from uh, from running, that he's accepted $400,000 to pay off his loans from running. So, as usual, Ron Johnson's ignoring the promises that he's made. <laughs> right. He also, he, he also was on a, a YouTube show talking about the conspiracy that JFK was assassinated, perhaps, by the government. So, oh, good grief. <laughs> if Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin, I, I bring this up all the time, if Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin ran against each other, who would win? Oh, Tammy would 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 win pretty handily. I think. I think she won her last election by nine points or eleven points, something like that. Um, and and Ron's never come close. Would it um, would, would it have to come like would Tammy win by a landslide during a presidential election election, or would Ron Johnson have a chance like in an off year election? Well, his last one was was an off year, and he barely squeaked past Mandela Barnes. Um, and uh, you know, Tammy Baldwin certainly would have. Uh, a ton more support uh, as well as experience. Uh, you know, she's, she's won twice. Um, you know, uh, part of the, the problem, I or part of the challenge, I think for Mandela is it was really the first time he had ever run against a Republican. Um, so I, and then the last time for Johnson would have been 2016. So that was a presidential, right. uh, presidential year. Um, and again, I don't think he won by a landslide in, in that one either. I don't even um, remember who he so, ran against. Honestly, it's just, Kind of a blur. Uh, was it Fein- Did Feingold run against him again? I know he did. It was the first time. I, f- I forget. What amaz- it was Feingold the second time? What amazes me with all of this is the the idea that we can't come up with better candidates or more versed candidates. And, uh, you know, like that's why I bring you on because I thought you were a well-versed candidate. And you, and you talked about, like, the economy right. and how you're educated in the economy and how that's kind of where you need your bread and butter to be if you're going to be in office um, but you know what? Like you just you need some kind of you know maybe use your World Series of Poker cachet the next time, Adam. To uh, you know like like you just need some cachet. You need some like like uh, publicity. You need to be. I, I don't know. It just seems like oh they won for they won a state election so that that they can they can run for this other election now. It's like this prerequisite as opposed to you know someone just being well versed in something. Uh, you're absolutely right. Right, so much of it, and it doesn't matter which side we're talking about. Democrats are. That's why. That's why we have Governor Evers. Right, he won a superintendent race, a school superintendent race in the state of Wisconsin. Therefore, he gets to run for governor and has a chance. 
Absolutely. Mandela Barnes was lieutenant governor. He got to run for, uh, you know, he won the, the primary, the Democratic primary for U.S. Senate. And that's uh, Donald Trump, right, is a great example. His, his was name recognition. I think we've talked about it in the 2016, 2015, 2016 race. He got 50 percent of the TV coverage, aside from advertising and stuff like that, because of who he was. Right. right? Jeb Bush didn't stand a chance. Um, and so, like, in, in the race that I was in with the, the primary, and, and I had stepped up before the primary, but in that race where you said we had, you know, a dozen of us, nobody was particularly well-known, right? Sarah Godlewski was the state treasurer. Uh, Alex uh, Lazary, of course, was, was the vice president of the Bucks, but not going to be known well outside of the Milwaukee area. Um, and the, nepoti- Barnes- the nepotistic vice president of the Milwaukee Bucks, too. <laughs> I, 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 I really like Alex. I, I will, sure. I, I've said that repeatedly. And, and But yes, was his dad a billionaire that bought the Bucks? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, he lived a very different, a different life. Um, I think if Alex had kind of embraced that and said, yeah, I'm not the average Joe, he, he probably would have absolutely crushed, uh, crushed in the primaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's a different, a, a different topic. But at the end of the day, Mandela Barnes was the best known Democrat among Democrats. And that's, in, in my opinion, that's one of the, the failings or one of the challenges, maybe, of our partisan primary system is only Democrat in Wisconsin, at least, right? Only Democrats can vote in the Democratic primary, uh, or you can only vote on the Democratic side or on the Republicans. Right. right? You don't have to be registered, but you, you can only vote one or the other. And so I think it's cool when you look at states like uh, Alaska or California that, um, it, you know, which are very different, but they have uh, open primary systems uh, where anybody can be on the ballot, and it's the top two or three or four that then go on on. Uh, you know, to the to the general elections. Yeah, they have a ranked um, choice but, voting system now. And then they have ranked voting, absolutely. So, uh, you know, there's different things that we can do, but it's it's absolutely one of the, the challenges for somebody trying to break in that didn't, like myself, that didn't walk up the political path, right? I was never involved in politics. Um, and so to to get enough attention from in Wisconsin, the Democrats, in order to vote for me in the primary, and only about 20% of the people vote in primary. Right. So it's, and same thing on the Republican side, right? Again, it's, it doesn't matter which side we're talking about. It's really small, so it tends to be the people that are the most involved, the most invested, the longest-standing, card-carrying members, and consequently, they know a name, and that's oftentimes the name that they're going to vote for. Um, and so, yeah, how do you make a name for yourself becomes, becomes a, uh, an important question. Um, you know, if I had won the $12.1 million for the for the main event of the World Series of Poker, that could have, you know, changed my political career. Who knows? Well, then you wouldn't want to be in politics anyway. <laughs> I think maybe. That's, that's true, too. That's true. Although you could loan yourself the $12.1 million to run and then have your donors pay you back like Ron Johnson. Pay back. Right. Have yeah, your... Alex Leslie spent $15 million on, of his own money on, on the primary and then dropped out. Um, yeah, I think Ron owns uh, lent. I forget what the numbers are: five million, six million, something like that. And said he wasn't going to, you know, take campaign contributions to to pay it back. And well, he decided to take campaign contributions to pay it back. I've I brought this up before. I don't know if I brought it up with you, but we missed uh, Democrats missed an opportunity here. It, like someone like yourself, I don't know if you would have won this election, but to run as the lieutenant governor to say it didn't work for Mandela Barnes. Obviously, he didn't win. But, you know, you could point to other reasons for that. 
um, to run and say, hey, I'm a, I've won this lieutenant governor race. I can win a statewide race. I have this name recognition. I'm attached to Tony Evers for four years. But then to drop out and say, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to run for state office or, or, or you know, uh, whatever, whatever. You could run for whatever you want after you're, you're the lieutenant governor. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely could have. Uh, like Sarah and- Rodriguez, she's a perfect opportunity. There was just this gaping hole because we, you know, there was pretty good odds that Evers was going to win again. And I think Mandela Barnes probably go, you know, if I could do it all over again, obviously I would have just remained the lieutenant governor. Uh, uh, remain lieutenant governor, or I don't know where he lives from a congressional standpoint, right? Um, could we, um, uh, you know, there were there were two uh, congressional races that were at least somewhat competitive. Um, actually, obviously, one was up by you guys, right? With Ron Kind, uh, Ron Kind's district, mm-hmm. um, and then the other one was was District One with Brian Style, and I think that one wound up losing by uh, like nine percent. Um, you know, so could we have gotten a really strong candidate uh, in, in one of those? And, and not knocking on either of the candidates that were there, um, but they certainly didn't have the name recognition, you know, and, and the power behind having been lieutenant governor that, um, you know, that Barnes did. Um, so it's it's interesting. I, I You know, I don't know all of the – so much of it is ego, I think. Um, so, some of it is, uh, you know, power. it's my turn. Power, right? Like you uh, want that Senate. That's that's one of the you know, if not, isn't it just like president, vice president, and then ooh, Senate? Like I'm the one of a hundred. Yeah, I mean, these are the guys making the decisions about Supreme Court justices, um, right. right? They've they've literally shaped the the nature of the Supreme Court for probably the next thirty to forty years. Yeah, um, which is which is insanely powerful. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, go ahead. You're on with Adam Murphy. Have you guys, gentlemen, have you seen Sound of Freedom, or do you intend on seeing Sound of Freedom? Just asking. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. I'll just bring this up. I saw a video about uh, somebody on on social media said they were going to go see, they wanted to know how Sound of Freedom was doing in the theater. And what you could do, Adam, is because we reserve seats now in the theater, you can go and I'm going to go at 7 o'clock, look at the theater, and see how many seats are taken. And she noticed that all the seats were taken for this, this time slot. So Sound of Freedom was wow. sold out. And Sound of Freedom, I, I'm not going to be able to... Do you know what it is? Can you explain what Sound of Freedom is or not? I, I cannot. I've seen uh, you know it go past my, my feed. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize that I, I can't speak to it one way or the other. Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I can, I, can, I can look it up in the, in the break here. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know. But well, I'll, I'll finish the story. It's, it's, she's like, wow, yeah. it's sold out. So she went to the theater... Five minutes before it started to see, you know, like, oh, it's sold out. I can't believe this movie is sold out. And Mission Impossible is out tonight, too. Uh, it isn't sold out. So she goes to the theater and nobody, literally nobody is there. So they're astroturfing this movie at this one theater, at least, uh, where, oh, where wow. it looks like it's sold out. But then literally nobody is there. So they're just buying the tickets. Hopefully they did that on the Tuesday because then it's only... Um, six bucks a Five ticket. Bucks. Yeah, <laughs> they, no, they jacked it up. Inflation, Joe Bidenonomics here. Joe Bidenonomics, it's six bucks now, Adam. Oh, my bad. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. Brad's gonna. Brad's back to do the news. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. Adam Murphy, he's the owner of Big Bang LLC. He's also uh, top 18% of World Series of Poker 2023. <laughs> How about that? Is that better, Adam? <laughs> yep. 
as opposed to the other way I introduced you in terms of World Series of Poker. But um, all right, so so uh, Sound of Freedom. Eric brought it up. Wondered if either of us had seen it. I've seen Mission Impossible and the new Spider Man movie in theaters. I, I'm not going to see Sound of Freedom. Uh, because it's not a sequel, so I'll wait for the sequel to come out. Because I only see sequels now. Uh, Indiana Jones, uh, that one's coming up maybe tonight. But Joe, Joe, did you text me, Joe? Is this you from the text line or not? Or is this? A I different did not text you. Okay. I was in COVID, Joe. You know that. Okay. Well, no. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of Joes that call in, and I understand why. Because everyone's a Joe, and you just want to be anonymous. But this this Joe texted in. You dork! It be Indiana Jones. So the Sound of Freedom movie. Beat Indiana Jones. I'm a dork for it. What a clueless fool I am. Everyday pure ignorance. All explanation, exclamation points. No all caps, though. So thanks for not going all caps on this uh, text line, Joe. But uh, you go ahead, uh, other Joe, on the phone. How come you're not up on all the movie news, Rick? Come on. I, I, I'm just not reading. I'm not, I'm not reading about Sound of Freedom. So I knew it was out there. And I saw, like I said, I saw the video of the lady pretending or not pretending that was being AstroTurf. But I'm... I'm skeptical about that video as well. Um, but you, do you want to explain to us what your version of Sound of Freedom is? What, like, what is it? I haven't seen it. Uh, from what I've heard, it deals with a real-life story about child trafficking out of Southern America, I do believe. And that's about the extent of what I know about it. Okay. But did you? Well, why did you call it? Ask, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you called in for a different wanted, reason. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wanted to ask. You know, we've got a Wisconsin politician. I'm trying to ask as many of these people that are going to be or want to be involved with this. Other than just the regular platitudes of we need to, you know, blah, 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 help citizens. In three sentences or less, what would you do with this rather appreciable surplus that we have with the budget? Adam. Ah, okay. So the the Wisconsin budget you're talking about? Yes. Correct. Um, and, and Rick and I have talked about this, and I haven't been on in about probably three months because I was off playing poker. Um, <laughs> my, my thought behind it was it's, it's temporary to an extent, and so I think it should have been used for things that are um, – uh, I'm trying to think of how we put it before, but, one, but one time. things that are large one-time expenses. So, for example – uh, where there are, are there infrastructure things that could or should be done that could be expansions to freeway systems, rail systems, whatever we needed that are long term large dollar amounts. And I'll, I think one Adam, of I'll, I'll inter- been- interrupt you here real quick because Joe gave you the prerequisite that three sentences or less. But also, we're on a talk radio show, so you could talk as long as you want about how to spend the budget surplus. <laughs> well, and, and, and anybody that's listened to me knows that I'm uh, three sentences is not happening. Right. Um, Okay, because... six sentences or less. <laughs> All right, okay. Joe, you're out of here now. You're out of here. Thanks okay. for the call, Joe. Look, I appreciate it. All right, let me, th- let me throw out one other that I think should have been done. Um, and I don't think it has been, although I, I've not looked recently. We absolutely should have taken care of the Wisconsin unemployment system. So I, by that, I'm talking about the actual infrastructure, the computers, the system, because that thing is literally from the 1950s to the 1970s. Um, <laughs> and that was part of the problem that we had during covid where people weren't getting paid, uh, or it was it was taking a really long time for unemployment benefits and stuff, and that's because the system is so old, is so anti, and all the politicians, Democrats and Republicans, have known this for at least the last twenty years. But it was going to cost tens of millions, if not into the hundreds of millions, in order to replace. That would have been a perfect situation for that sort of, of surplus. That's where I think it should have been best used is is those large one-offs that 
are beneficial for decades. Yeah, it's funny, too, because the governor called a special session to fix the unemployment system. Republicans gaveled in and out of the special session in 30 seconds or less, like they did 11, 10 other times, so 11 times total. And then they said, no, governor, you can, you're the governor, you do it. You know how to fix it. You have the power to fix it. As if anything that the governor proposes is something that the legislature wants him to do, you know, like, oh, now you've given the governor the power to, to fix the thing that's, uh, you know, what, 80 years old or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy. Um, so I, I do. I think that those are that's where I would have loved to see things. And the other thing that's important to understand about that budget surplus is that it's a forecast budget surplus. It's not that we have all of this money sitting here right now. Um, it's always over a two year uh, uh, budget, because that's Wisconsin is a two-year budget format, and um, so some of it's there, some of it's the forecast surplus, and that's always subject to change. When I ran in 2020, so just during COVID, I had an interview talking about the very opposite of this, because at the at that time in 2020, the expected budget shortfall in Wisconsin was two billion dollars, and within three years, it has gone from a two billion dollar uh, shortage to, what was it, $7.1 billion surplus. So these numbers change dramatically, and that's why I think it's a poor decision to make, uh, like, big tax changes, uh, because so much of this, uh, and Rick and I talked about this once, um, the, the increase in uh, tax revenue from corporations in Wisconsin increased 50%. Uh, since since COVID. And that's where a vast majority of this budget surplus came from, which tells you that corporate in Wisconsin is doing incredibly well because those taxes only come from profits, from income. So profits and income were up 50% for Wisconsin corporations. Taxes were up 50%. Uh, it was a much smaller portion coming from citizens. And not, not to say that we can't reduce taxes and, and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. But we have to understand where it's coming from, whether it's long-term or whether it's short-term, and then what to do with it. And unfortunately, I don't think politicians do a great job of, of any of that. Yeah, uh, nobody you know, explains headline. that. Nobody explains any of that. Also, like the, the talking point is always we don't tax corporations enough. Can you explain, are we taxing Wisconsin corporations enough because we, we got a billions of budget surplus? Or are they still making off pretty easy? Uh, well, uh, they're still making bank, right? Again, again, clearly, up 50% or, well, 100%, right, because uh, of the, the, the way the taxes are going to work on it. And so Wisconsin businesses have done incredibly well uh, coming out of COVID. Now, should we tax them more? Should is always a, a, a difficult thing to say. Who should be more responsible? Where should we have more taxes? Should that fall on, on individuals? Should that fall on corporate? That's uh, right. When you, if you go to the Department of Revenue, for those that really like getting, getting into this, <laughs> go to the Department of Revenue site, and there's actually a breakdown of all of the, the tax revenue. And like 25, 30% is from corporates, and then 30 or 40% is from uh, citizens. And then there's um, sales tax, and there's things like uh, you know, alcohol and cigarette taxes. So there's, there's a wide variety of, of taxes in any state, not just Wisconsin, um, that come from a wide variety of different sources. The question becomes, what's fair? Uh, and, and everybody's going to say, the other guy should pay more. doesn't matter who you are. Um, and, and that's always tough. I, I think Wisconsin's pretty fair about it in the grand scheme of things. Um, our, you know, our personal income taxes are a little bit higher, uh, 7, 7.3%. Um, than some states, but other states then have much higher sales tax. Well, a higher sales tax hurts those that have less more. 
Um, and that's where flat taxes come into play and why those are a problem. Because if you're spending all of your money and everything that you buy has a sales tax, that means that all of your money is taxed. Right? If you're making a million dollars a year, you're not spending all of your money, so sales tax doesn't affect you as much. Um, so these are the things that, that I think politicians need to, to know, to understand, and then to try to explain uh, to, to voters so that we have an idea of what we're really talking about. And, and, you know, we can try to talk about fair, which is a terrible word to use. <laughs> we're talking with Adam Murphy. He's the owner of the Small Business Big Bang LLC. He's our World Series of Poker top 20%. We'll go 20%, top 18%. <laughs> uh, he's got a, do you have a, did you, now you got a, you got degrees in pol- political science and economics, right? Did yep. you get a master's too or not? I can't remember. I didn't finish it. I've been working through it, and I've actually decided that uh, at this point, I don't need to delve deeply into the 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 math that is required. I'm never going to be an economist. Yeah, I remember reading your Um, rant about getting a master's degree, and I was like, "Yep, that sounds awful." (laughs) So, in terms of that, in terms of economics, uh, for what you want to do, too. But I'm never going to use it (laughs) as a as the owner of Big Bang LLC. You know, and you talk about taxing, I don't know if LLC, you're a corporation then, right? Like, is that what that means? Absolutely. Do you feel like uh, the tax is fair for for a business of your size in the state? Okay, so let me tell you what happened in the 2017 tax cut, so the Trump tax cut. One of the things that was done is LLC. So an LLC means it's a limited liability corporation that just kind of protects me, So, but I'm still the owner. And normally the way that income from an LLC worked is it was called pass-through income. So it came to me just as though I was as an employee and I had to pay Social Security on it, uh, Medicare, regular uh, tax rate at whatever income level I was at. And one of the, but corporate taxes uh, at the federal level are less, like 20, 20%, 23%, something like that. And so one of the changes that was made in the 2017 Trump tax cut was that some portion of the pass-through income for LLC business owners was now going to be exempt, right? It was going to be a write-off. So I'll be honest with you. Here's what happened with my taxes post-2017 uh, mm-hmm. is my personal tax bill probably dropped by about $20,000 a year. So not an, not an insignificant amount. But what I want you to understand, and I'm not incredibly wealthy, right? I'm not the Alex Lazarus of the world, but... I've been in this business for a long time, and it's been successful enough, and and my life is pretty good. That $20,000 doesn't impact me dramatically, right? It's not going to allow me to buy, to to, to buy, terrible, sorry, to hire another employee. But income is always based off, or income tax is always based on profit. So if I needed to hire another employee, I was already making enough profit to do that. So I would make the argument For instance, uh, you know, my wife and I have investments or we max out our 401k or whatever. I would argue that that same $20,000 would have been much better across my eight employees at $2,500 each where they're making good money, right? It's a software company, not doing bad, but I can tell you that not all of my employees, for example, max out their 401k. So... If that tax benefit had gone to people making $150,000 and less, right, and, and I've made the argument that if you make 70000 or less, we shouldn't have income tax on it. But if that $20,000 had gone to them, they would have spent it 
they would have used it, they would have gone on vacation, they would have maybe increased their own savings, but it would have worked its way back into the economy, most likely. And it would have benefited them much more than that same $20,000 coming to me. Right. Because I'm already making, I'm already saving more, I already have more than I'm spending. And that's, that, that, I think, was, was the mistake. I'm all for helping small businesses. Please don't get me wrong. I, I, I work with small businesses all the time um, and help people start them up and, and stuff, so I think it's important. But the tax aspect is never a factor because the tax aspect is only based off of your profit. If you're profitable enough to be taxed significantly, I say yay. My best year, I paid a quarter of a million dollars in, in federal income taxes. That sounds like a huge amount of money, and it was, but that's because we were profitable, right. and that was awesome. Yeah, I've been so, I've been making yeah. this argument with the the Evers, you know, and the the Republican and the Tony Evers fighting over what to do with the tax cuts, and so I have a chart here that I always go to, and I I think it's a little off now based on what happened with the budget, but um, the GOP tax cut plan for people making between thirty and forty thousand dollars was going to be you were going to get a tax decrease of thirty two dollars. Which right. is nothing for anybody making that money, but the 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 tax cut for someone making a half million to a million dollars was going to be like six grand, which is nothing right. for somebody that. And what I keep saying is, you need to flip that. So someone making thirty grand or forty grand, if they got if they knew they were going to get six grand back somehow, and I understand they're not taxed at six grand, but if they knew they were going to have six thousand more dollars a year, or what you were saying, twenty five hundred dollars a year would be a pretty good impact too. It just needs to be impactful in my life, or anything else is just not. It's not going to help. It's all just a ta- political talking point. Uh, ooh, look, we cut taxes. Well, you cut taxes for me by a hundred bucks, which is nothing. That's not going to impact right. my life. And that's the problem with using averages, right? Because they'll say the average is going to be four hundred and fifty-three dollars. Right? right, exactly. But that's not impactful because you're you're absolutely right. It's it's going to be a, a really small amount at the levels where people need it the most. And, and again, and, and this is, let me offer this as the Republican conservative side, right, is if we put more money back into the hands or, or have less taxes or, uh, you know, when we did the $1,200 stimulus packages and stuff like that, for those who have the least, they are going to spend it. Yeah, I bought which a bike. means that it is going to multiply it in the economy, right? They're, whether they're going to go to McDonald's or get a haircut or get clothes for their kids or they're going to, you know, 2500 bucks, and they're going to take a small vacation or whatever it might be, that money is going to get spent, and that's beneficial. When it goes to the wealthy, it doesn't get spent, right? This, this was, I, I laughed when people were, were uh, uh, you know, upset about with Jeff Bezos, for example, and spending $5 billion on, on his space program, right? And I'm like, no, that's awesome. I mean, the fact that he has that much money is problematic because it's not, in, you know, it's not being used and, and circulated. But the fact that he spent $5 billion or whatever the number was on people, on products, on engineers, on mm-hmm. the mechanics of you know, building a rocket, all goes back into the economy. That's the big problem with wealth inequality and income inequality is that then so much of it winds up sitting on the sideline, not doing anything in the economy. Oh, so what? And so, so what you're saying is all these billionaires need to do more, like buy the Broncos and build space programs and spend your money, billionaires. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> right. I mean, they have more than you know. Elon Musk spent 44 billion dollars to buy uh, Twitter. Um, that didn't do anything for the economy. Right. Um, but absolutely. Now, 
can we get into taxing them and stuff like that? That's what taxation ultimately does, is it recirculates the money, which improves society for everyone. Um, and that is, is the argument for taxing the wealthy at higher rates. Because here's what ends up happening. If you're a business owner and you're making really good money and uh, you find out that your taxes are going to be increased by, let's say, 10% next year or two years down the road, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to start to reinvest in your business to grow your business so that you bring home as much as you were bringing home before, which means that you're going to hire more people, you're going to do more advertising, you're going to do product development. When we look at all of the data from the 1930s, right, post, um, uh, post-Great post Depression, when we had the highest tax rates through the 1970s until Ronald Reagan cut them at the highest level, that's when we had the highest level of economic growth in this country. And there's a lot of other reasons for it. I'm not saying it was strictly taxes. But as a business owner, if I know that I'm going to be taxed at a higher level and my day-to-day life is based on, you know, making $300,000 a year, whatever the number is, and I know now that I'm going to have 240000 all right, I better figure out how to come up with that extra sixty grand because I want my life to stay the same way. And so what that does is it actually encourages investment and growth in business. And that's part of the reason that we saw massive, massive growth and why we've never had higher than 3% GDP growth since uh, Ronald Reagan. Well, the opposite thinking would be then I'm just going to increase my costs for everything and therefore I'm going to make up the difference by having you pay for it. The consumer. And that's not necessarily a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, that gets into inflation, stuff like that. But then we get into competition. Then we get into capitalism. Can McDonald's raise their prices if Burger King across the street isn't? Well, unless they collude, which is illegal, then they're probably not going to. Because if you could raise your prices and make more money, why wouldn't you have raised your prices and make more money? <laughs> sure. Right. I was, I was, right? Because I, I was explaining this to somebody who was, who was just starting out as, as a small business owner. They were brand new to it. And, and I walked through this and I said, okay, you're a business owner, you're making a million bucks. Um, you're taxed at 40%, and now it's going to be 60%. What are you going to do? And the first thing he said was, well, I'm going to find more tax loops. And I'm like, no, if you're making a million bucks of your profit, you already have accountants that work for you. Mm-hmm. And if they're missing $200,000 <laughs> in tax loops, you better fire those accountants. <laughs> right? Because and there's always this perception that, oh, the, the wealthy can cheat. And don't get me wrong, they can, and they do, right? But... Generally speaking, most businesses, most small business owners, most businesses that we deal with on a day-to-day basis are honest, and they're paying their taxes, and they're doing their thing. And if it's going to be a matter of taxes are going to be higher, and that's going to affect them, then the most logical thing for a smart business owner to do is to try to figure out how to increase sales in order to make more profit. Or, yes, they might cut staff. I mean, there are certain times we've seen that. Generally speaking, they're going to try to figure out how to be more profitable. Well, and Burger King keeps failing at this when you talk about the competition because they're doing Barbie burgers and they're doing uh, meatless hamburgers <laughs> with 20 slices of Kraft Singles as a cheeseburger. Uh, just Burger uh, King. <laughs> not, maybe not in the U.S., but that's what's, that's what's going on. Um, all right, that was Adam Murphy. We, you know what? We never got to the New York Times story. The, the, the gut-level hatred is consuming our political life, which was very interesting. I wanted to talk about it, but we're just going to have to bring you back to talk about that story. We'll just leave it on the docket, Adam. Thanks a lot, man. Sounds sounds good. I appreciate it, Rick. All right. See ya. All right. We're going to take one more break. We'll be back. All right. That's going to wrap it up for a Thursday of Across Talk PM. Thanks again to Adam Murphy for joining me. 
And uh, kind of really, I feel like we learned a lot. That was a very informative show, and that's why I like to bring him on. And thanks, everyone, for calling and texting. I appreciate it. 